Good morning, everyone. My name is Adam. I'm so excited that you chose to spend your Sunday morning here with us. We are continuing on in our Christmas series called Emmanuel, God with us. And God with us is what the Christmas story is all about. It's about Jesus giving up his rightful place in heaven and coming to earth to mend our broken relationship with God so that we can be with him, not just for this life, but for all of eternity. And we will be continuing to celebrate this Christmas story even into this week as we get into our Christmas Eve services And you can take a look at that invite card on your chairs for the times of those services on Thursday and Friday. I am so pumped for these services. I'm going to be at all five of them. So I'm hoping to see you there too. We're going to have classic Christmas songs, carols, and a short message. And I'm looking forward to a really good time. It's an awesome opportunity to invite somebody else to come hear the message of the gospel. This morning, as we get into the message, I want to begin with this question. What does it look like to be blessed by God? When we think about God's blessing in our lives, is it the fact that maybe somebody has a nice house or a lot of possessions? Or is it God's blessing when you pull up to Chick-fil-A and there's not a huge line that's like wrapping around all the blocks? Maybe God's blessing is scoring a good deal from the clearance racks. Or you think of God's blessing as uh, just smooth sailing in life and no bumps along the way. But on the flip side of things, maybe you feel the absence of God's blessing when you're going through hard times in life and it feels like everything's falling apart. Or you pull up to Chick-fil-A and then you realize it's a Sunday. And you're like, oh. Anybody done that before? Am I the only one? Or maybe you feel like God's blessing is absent in your life when you've got some health difficulties and you're having trouble overcoming those things. Uh, Just this last week, I was at Aldi's and I I put all my groceries in those paper paper bags that you can get for 10 cents. Like, no joke, I've probably spent a small fortune on those paper bags. I could have a bag that I take in there every time, but I'm just like, ah, 10 cents, that's fine. And I spend a lot of money on those things. Anyways, side note, I get back home and, and I'm taking my groceries out of my car and I realize that one of my paper bags is soaked all the way through with raw chicken juices. Like those raw chicken juices had gotten all over my groceries in the bag. It had leaked all over the back of my trunk. I jokingly told a friend, like, it's times like that when I wonder if God really loves me. Like, why do bad things have to happen to good people? And so when I think about the blessed life, it would be free bags for groceries at Aldi's and not having to deal with messes in my car. Uh, But this morning, we're going to take a look at God's word and see what real blessing looks like. And so if you would like to follow along in your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 1, and we'll be in verse 39. We'll also have it up here on the screen if you want to follow along. So there are two books of the Bible that tell the Christmas story, the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. And the book of Luke begins by telling about a married couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. And Zechariah is a priest who works in the temple. And one day he was in the temple doing his priestly duty. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him and told Zechariah that even though he and his wife were really old, 
They were about to have a baby, and they were to name this baby John, which means God is gracious. The angel went on to tell Zechariah that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit before he was even born, and his mission in life would be to point people back to God. And just like the angel said, all of these things came true. And after Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, had been pregnant for six months, that same angel appeared to a virgin girl named Mary and told her that even though she was a virgin, that she would conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit and give birth to a son, and that she was to call his name Jesus because he would be the Savior of the world. And so this is where we're picking up in the story this morning. The angel has already appeared to Mary, and we're picking up in verse 39, and it says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So Mary went to go see Elizabeth because Elizabeth was one of Mary's family members. And when Mary arrives, Elizabeth is like, you are so blessed. That baby in your womb is also blessed. Elizabeth's just blessings here and there and all over the place. If somebody was giving me so many blessings like that, I would think it's a little bit over the top. Like, I don't know about that. But it says in these verses that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And back in the Old Testament days, when somebody was filled with the Spirit, it usually meant that they would speak on behalf of God. And so I think that gives some credibility to what Elizabeth is saying here. And I want to make just one more observation from these verses, is that Elizabeth calls this baby that Mary is carrying her Lord. She recognizes that Jesus is not just any baby, but that he is really the Son of God. And to be honest, when I think of Mary, sometimes I tend to downplay just what an honor it would have been to bring the Son of God into the world. And so I got to thinking about some other people in the Bible who just had some really incredible honors uh, that God bestowed on them or that they were walking blameless with God. And so the first guy that came to my mind was this guy named Enoch. And he lived super early on in the history of the world. The Bible says that Enoch walked faithfully with God, so faithfully that God picked him up and took him to heaven before he even died. That's a pretty big honor. I also thought about Noah, who everybody else on the face of the earth was so corrupt and had earned God's judgment, but the Bible says that God had favor on Noah because Noah was a righteous guy. And so God chose to spare Noah and his family from the worldwide flood. Now, I think it's a pretty big honor when God chooses you out of everybody else across the whole world for something like that. But what might even top that is God's honor to Mary, for her to be the one to bring Jesus into the world. And Mary was 
She's a sinful person, too. She was just a human. She's not, like, part God or anything like that. But can you imagine the position that Jesus or that God was in to find a parent who could be a good role model to Jesus? That's a lot of pressure. Um, so it makes me think that Mary was very devoted to God, that she lived in obedience to him, and that she has this incredible blessing to deliver the Son of God into the world. But there's some parts of this situation that maybe you could look at and think, I don't know if Mary's really living the blessed life here. Uh, back in the time period that Mary lived, it was more normal to get married at a young age. But it's believed that Mary was between 12 and 14 years old, but no older than 17 years old when she was pregnant with Jesus. Now, I don't care what culture you're from, that is young. Like today, she would have just moved up from kids' ministry into student ministry. And even if it was fitting for that culture, there are still some pretty serious challenges with being a teenage parent. And so the timing of this, from Mary's perspective, probably wouldn't have looked very ideal. She probably wouldn't have thought of this as a blessing. And on top of that, she was almost divorced by Joseph before they even got married. Maybe you're wondering, how do you get divorced if you're not married? Like, that's just a breakup, right? Well, they were betrothed, which in today's terms is like an engagement, but even more serious. And so for them to break it off, it would have been like a divorce. And maybe you think, all right, come on, Joseph, why would you want to divorce this girl? Well, from Joseph's perspective, he just sees that this girl that he's about to marry is pregnant. And according to all the statistics I've seen, there's a man involved in 100% of pregnancies. And it wasn't Joseph, and so it looks like Mary has been unfaithful to him. And to the perspective of everybody else, it looks like him and Mary were not pure in their relationship before getting married. And so there is a whole lot of potential just to cast shame on Mary in this situation. And it, it probably didn't look like the definition of the blessed life. And on top of all of that, Mary was pretty poor. Back in the Old Testament days, when a, a woman gave birth, she was commanded by the law to make a sin sacrifice for that baby, to sacrifice a year-old lamb and a pigeon. And the only exception to this is if that woman was really poor, then she could sacrifice two pigeons instead of that year-old lamb. And after Jesus was born and Mary and Joseph are making this sin sacrifice for Jesus, they offered up two pigeons because they didn't have enough money to buy a lamb. And so if anybody's calling Mary blessed, it's not because they're looking at Mary's bank account and seeing that she's in a comfortable position here. And it would have been hard, I think, for Mary to even think of herself as blessed. Or maybe we think of blessing as just a future destination. Like if all the right things just fall into place, then we will experience blessing. And I think of that too for myself is I think of fill in the blank. When fill in the blank happens, then I will be blessed. Whether it's that job promotion or you finally get the job that you want or maybe your health complications go away or you finally go on that long-awaited vacation, then you will be experiencing blessing. But the good news is that God's blessing is not just a future destination but it is a present reality. 
God's greatest blessings are not just what he will do for me, but who he is in me. And Mary was called blessed not because she had life figured out, not because all these right things were falling into place. She wasn't called blessed because she had social status or money, but she was called blessed because she literally had the Son of God in her womb. And if being pregnant with Jesus is what it takes to be blessed, there's no hope for any of us. But in another sense, that if you are a believer in Jesus, then you have his presence in you. Uh, One of the gospel writers, Paul, wrote to the Ephesian church and he said, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. If you are a believer in Jesus, you have his presence in your life that is a way that people back in the Old Testament didn't have God's presence. Back in the Old Testament, God's presence would have been up on a mountain or in the tabernacle or in the Holy of Holies. God's presence was fixed to a location. But as New Testament believers, God is with us. He, we don't have to go to God because he comes to us and he makes his residence in our hearts and he is with us along every step of the way. And I think that it is safe to say that God's presence in our life is our greatest blessing. Or another way to say that is God's presence is his best present. And I know it's super cheesy, but I had to fit it in this message when I heard that saying. Even as Christians, it can be easy to focus on what we think we can get from God instead of focusing on our relationship with him. Sometimes we can simply look at the Bible as a self-help manual. Like we just skim through the pages looking for those nuggets about how we can make our lives better. And it's not a bad thing to look to God's word for help, and I think that we should be obeying him. But what I want to say is let's not just look to God's word just for life improvement while neglecting to look to God's word to see who God is, to know his heart, and to learn of his character Because we could boil down the Christian faith to just going through the motions of doing X, Y, and Z. And if we can check off all those things, sometimes we think that God will give us the life that we are looking for, the blessings that we think we deserve. And all the while, we can go through those motions and leave God out of the equation. And I think that when God is not the center of our faith, we usually end up with a sense of entitlement. I mean, have you ever had those times in your life when God just seemed like he didn't come through for you? He didn't give you what you were looking for. He closed some doors. Or maybe he even let something bad happen to you. And you just called out to God like, God, why would you do that? I've been going to church. I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. And still you let this happen to me? And I can tell you that I've been there before. I thought that if I devoted my life to God, if I went into full-time ministry, then God would give me my idea of the blessed life. And then when I went through disappointment, I, I just felt like God didn't come through for me. And this week, I've become even more aware that this kind of thinking is like a low-key version of the prosperity gospel. 
The prosperity gospel is this idea that if you follow God, then you'll arrive at the blessings of God as if God is just a means to an end. Like God is a treasure map to get to the treasure instead of recognizing that God himself is the treasure. And this is what we need to keep our focus on, not just about what we can get from God, but his presence because his presence is enough. And it's not that enjoying the things that God gives us is a bad thing. I think it's actually honoring to God to enjoy the gifts that he gives us in life. Around the Christmas season, I think it's way more fun to give gifts to kids than adults. Because you give a kid a new toy, it is their new favorite toy until they get a new favorite toy. And it just brings me so much joy. A couple years ago, I was... uh, I went to Maryland to visit my cousins, who I hadn't seen in quite a few years. I hadn't even met my youngest cousin, Thomas, who was about six years old at that time. And so when I went to visit with them, I had a few days of playing with Legos, guilt-free. I was doing it for the kids. It was such a fun time. And one day, my little cousin, Thomas, was like, Cousin Adam, next time you come and visit, will you bring me a Lego dragon? And my aunt scolded him for asking for things. But deep down inside, I was like, I would love to get this kid a Lego dragon. Like, it would be so fun to watch him play with it. And I would, it would make me the best cousin ever. And, and I would really enjoy to watch him do that. But on the flip side of things, I would be super discouraged and hurt if he only talked to me when he wanted something. Or he only talked to me to get on my good side so that I would give him more toys. And it would really hurt me if I came over to visit, and instead of being excited to see me, he was just disappointed that I didn't bring him something, as if my presence wasn't enough. And sometimes, isn't that how we treat God? We act like his presence isn't enough, and we're disappointed when he doesn't give us what we think we deserve. And... Maybe it's because we don't appreciate the giver of the gift as much as we do the gift. And the gifts that God gives us in life, they come and go, but his presence is forever. And Mary recognized that she was blessed when she focused on who God is. So let's keep on reading in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. And this is kind of a a poem that Mary wrote. It's a lot like the Psalms that King David wrote in the Old Testament. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Mary could have focused on all the things in her life that weren't adding up. She could have focused on some of her challenges, but instead she focused her attention on God and who he is. And with her innermost being, she is praising God and finding her joy in him. At this point, the angel of the Lord is called Mary blessed. Elizabeth has called Mary blessed. But now Mary recognizes that she really is blessed because of all that God has done for her. And so let's read about all that God has done for her. In verse 50, it says, His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. 
He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary is saying that she is blessed because of all the things that God has done for her. And when I, I first read that, I'd almost expect that Mary would start to say things like, I'm so blessed because God gave me enough money to make the last payment on my donkey, or that Joseph got a job promotion, or something about how God's the relationship doctor and he kept Joseph and I from splitting apart. But she didn't say anything like that. The list of all the reasons why she was blessed wasn't listed like, I have, I have, I have. But instead, she lists everything about who God is and what he does. That God's name is holy. That God is merciful. He performs mighty deeds. He scatters the proud. He brings down the rulers from their thrones. He lifts up the humble. He feeds the hungry. He sends the rich away empty. And he is merciful to the nation of Israel. And Mary is blessed because of who God is and what he does. And that blessing is not just limited to Mary. Those blessings weren't unique to her situation because if you are a follower of Jesus, these blessings are true in your life too. That God is merciful to you. That if you are humble, God will lift you up. If you are poor, then God will provide for your needs. We can choose to focus on the things in our lives that haven't happened yet or the things that we wish would happen things that can come and go, we can focus on the unchanging character of God. And whatever you magnify, you rejoice in. Mary's joy was tied to God, who he is and what he does. And I think that there is a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is dependent on our circumstances. We're happy if we have a good day at work or you get to spend a fun time with friends You're happy when your kids are on their best behavior or you're treated well at home. But on the flip side of things, just as your circumstances can make you happy, they can also make you unhappy. You have a rough day at work. You're unhappy because you don't get the time to yourself that you think that you need or you're not treated well at home. And so the difference between joy and happiness is that joy is not dependent on our circumstances. And we can have joy in God even when everything else in our life is falling apart. One of the Old Testament prophets named Habakkuk said it like this, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. When everything around him was crashing down, this prophet chose to find his joy in God. Just like Mary, he focused on who God is and what God has done. And I think that is the trick for us as well, is to focus on who God is and what he has done. 
And something that I've been doing for a few years, kind of took a break from, and now I'm getting back to it, is writing down every day just one thing that is true of God that I get from my Bible reading. I have in the back of my notebook two columns. Under one column it says, praise God. And so I'll write down things like, God is loving. He's forgiving. God is merciful. He is near to the brokenhearted. He is my refuge. He is my strength. His kingdom goes on forever and ever. Those are the unchanging character traits of God. So no matter what season of life you are going through, that is what you can find your joy in, and that is what you can cling to. And the other thing that I write down is just something that I'm thankful for every day, whether it's being able to spend time with family, having a good time with friends, it's a good day at work, or somebody's been generous to me. And those are the things in life that can come and go, but while I have them there, I want to just have a heart of thankfulness to God and appreciate what he has given me. And my challenge for you this morning is to do the same thing for just one week. Every time you read the Bible, just write down one thing that is true of God, and then just write down one thing that you can be thankful for. And let us just remember that more than God's presence, his presence is the best gift. And I know it's a cheesy line, but that's how we're going to close. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning and just the hope that we have that your presence in our lives is enough. And it's far more than we could ever deserve. Uh, Sometimes we want things in life that we think would be better than what we don't already have, or what we already have, but um, God... Your presence, you just walking with us every step of the way is far better than anything else. I thank you that you are a faithful, unchanging God, that no matter what is going on in our lives, even if everything else is falling apart, you are loving, that you are merciful, that you are near to the brokenhearted, that you lift up the humble, that you feed the hungry, and that we can just praise you for who you are and rest in the fact and knowing that we are blessed because of our relationship with you. And I ask that we would just continue to celebrate that this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.